0: hello and welcome to law the universe and everything i'm your host pacifico soldati this show explores topics from law and business to consciousness spirituality and everything in between we feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life you can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com if you're not familiar with my background i'm a helper parent marketer attorney outlaw certified mediator story brand guide omnist yoga teacher and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and US Army Special Operations Command. Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, the Universe and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of visual storytelling. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit ProsperitasAgency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S Agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Elsa Johnson. Elsa is a trusted advisor, thought partner, and idea navigator to highly creative, innovative entrepreneurs across the U.S. and abroad. She's an out-of-the-box thinker whose life and career have taken unexpected twists and turns from her youth in Denmark as a hot dog vendor to a serial entrepreneur living in Arizona. Elsa now sees possibilities everywhere, and her rich and varied experiences have given her the know-how, compassion, and grit to help her clients through any roadblocks. She owns the narrative of her life and believes success looks different for everyone, and has coached countless entrepreneurs and executives to approach life and business on their own terms. Thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: So take me back. What was it like growing up in Denmark?
1: Oh, boy. It was definitely much, much simpler than Scottsdale, Arizona, that's for sure. It was a very rural little area where I grew up, and days would just spend playing outside and just hanging out with... My siblings, there wasn't a lot of kids around, so that was most of my day.
0: And so what drove you to immigrate to the U.S., and what was that experience like?
1: It came later in my life. It was when I met this handsome young American who thought that it was a good idea for me to move to the U.S., and that's over 30 years ago where we met him, and we got married, and we're still together, so... The, the experience was, first of all, it was a grand adventure for me, really. It was, it was fun, it was exciting, and I feel like that's what it's been ever since. We've moved around a lot, but it's it certainly, you feel that I've lived a very rich life.
0: Oh, excellent. It definitely sounds like it. So talk to me about how you got your start in entrepreneurship.
1: It's, I sort of fell into it initially. I come from a corporate financial background, and then after I moved to the U.S., I started working for smaller entrepreneurial companies in various industries, um, biomedical, actually manufacturing, service industry. And then I landed a job running the, all the behind the scenes of a very talented decorator. um, And she, you know, she was a a interior decorator and she she was doing like interior uh, painting and decorative painting. And she just needed me to run all the behind the scenes, as I mentioned. And then after that, I just fell so much in love with the industry because I've always been fascinated by text textures and textiles and interiors. And I started sewing a little bit and then I started making window treatments and soft interiors. And then I ended up opening my own interior design business. So it was, it came from a place of love, not necessarily from a place of, I want to be an entrepreneur, even though I think I, my personality fits fits really well into it. And it it has taken me, we lived in Chicago at the time. I've done it in Philly. And I also started it initially when I came here to Scottsdale about six years ago.
0: Wow. That's quite the journey. (laughs) Yes. And so how did you then start to begin like advising other companies and, and helping other entrepreneurs? Because it sounded like you started with that, you then moved into entrepreneurship and now you did a, do a bit of both.
1: Yes. So what, what happened after I moved to Scottsdale, as I mentioned, about six years ago, I, I started cu- putting a few question marks with how I was looking at my life, how effectively I was living, what, was I really doing what I was supposed to be doing? Or was there more to it? It, I think when you you reach a certain age, you might be starting to set those questions. And then I dove really deep into personal development. And as I dove into that, I started realizing all the tools that I never knew was available to me out there. I studied uh, neurolinguistic programming and cognitive behavioral therapy, psychology, all these things. And I started realizing that not only do we internally have the power to live so much more effectively and that I could have done that myself. And then I also realized that I was very good at helping other people do the same. And I have an innate talent to really see what people are not seeing for themselves. And especially as it relates to your own personal success, how effective you are in your business and how effective you are in creating the life you really want for yourself.
0: If you don't mind, tell me a little bit more about the NLP side of things, because I've had a few people on that are practitioners and and well trained in that. And they're always some of my favorite people. And I I love those discussions. So how did you come to that? And what what do you feel like it's done?
1: It's a framework, right? It's not like I know there's uh, a couple of people been have been really coined to see those are the ones that created it, but it actually goes even further back. it's a, It's a compilation of different frameworks within the personal development where you really look at the narratives that you put into your own head. How do you how do you take the stories from the past, and really translate into a more effective way of living today? How can you rewrite that story? How can you look at it from different perspectives? How can you take what you needed as a learning experience rather than as a traumatic experience that has forever altered your life? And I think that's what the power of NLP is, that it helps you look and see, this happened to me, but it doesn't identify me.
0: So in a way, it's almost like a really nice, like repackaging software for your brain.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I just, I actually, at the moment, I am expanding on that through positive intelligence would take it down to even a more focused way of living your life where where it's a very immediate sort of snap you out of a really stressful situation into a more even keel, you know, more um, present and thought out way of acting in any situation that life uh, throws at you.
0: Wow. That sounds really cool. So tell me a little bit more about positive intelligence. It's,
1: the system, what it, not the, the way the operating system as uh, as we like to call it, is created by, and uh, he's a professor at Stanford university. And uh, he has written a book called positive intelligence, but he's also t- taught it at Stanford university for a long time. Plus He has over 500,000 people all over the world, CEOs, big corporations, teams, that he applies this framework of understanding the nine saboteurs that that every human being have that sort of dictate which uh, way you lean most times. So there could be like, I'm sure you've heard about being a pleaser or being a voider, an imposter, or somebody who is really hyper achieved And then... It looks at saying those in and its, in above itself is not a bad thing for you to have. But what becomes the stress factors is when you have this extreme voice or the judge in your head that sort of keeps pounding at you saying good or you're not nearly as good as these people. You don't deserve this, blah, blah, all these different things. But whereas if you start to activate this part of your brain that can say, hey, 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 now take it easy. You are good. Let's see what the op- gift and opportunities is in this situation and moving forward. You might not have done this before or you, you might have failed in the past. But if you stop for a minute and see where are you at now, what can you do now?
0: Wow, that sounds like a really powerful framework that doesn't seem like most people would have really been privy to before.
1: No, and... and... Instead of all the things, including the NLP that I have gone through, and I have gone through his program because I'm, I'm b- becoming a certified coach in that right now, is it is so simplistic. It, it takes you like 10 seconds. He calls it like the PQ gym or the PQ reps that you create. It's, it's so simple that it can really help you snap out of that downward spiral of very unhelpful thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So tell me what drew you uh, to Arizona and what do you love about business here?
1: Well, the, my husband, as I mentioned earlier, he was American and he, he grew up in the Midwest. When I met him, he lived in California and he already had an always had an attraction for Arizona for retirement. And when we had the opportunity six years ago for corporate re- relocation here, we jumped at it right away. And, I think coming into Arizona, it's, it provides you a huge opportunity to, to sort of, I can't say reinvent business, but it's a different kind of business environment in the sense of, I really think it's growing so much here right now. Big corporations are coming in a lot of different industries and there's just a very friendly kind of atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it's been, I've definitely experienced the same thing. I feel like it's, yeah, one of the most friendly business environments and, and definitely the most collaborative business environment. Everyone I meet is really looking to help. It's not maybe the sharkiness of other major cities where it's a little more cutthroat or something like that. So it's an incredibly positive and empowering environment, I think, to come in and be a, an entrepreneur or work in the service, professional services and everything. Uh, so I, I definitely recommend it highly to, to anyone.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you. It's, I think a couple of weeks ago, I read in the wall street journal that it is the fastest growing metropolitan area in the U I'm sure you've seen it in a traffic pattern too, around town.
0: Oh, yeah, I feel like Phoenix has been that way for over a decade. And then as Phoenix blew up, then it was like, okay, now Tempe or Gilbert or Chandler or Mesa. I think Mesa is like the fastest growing city or definitely like in the top three, just because that's so much where that's where all the space is right now. And then eventually it'll just keep, you know, Going beyond there, we're almost going to be like Oklahoma City eventually, Just like a, a real, you know, huge sprawling metropolis. It's really fascinating to watch because I remember the first time I came here maybe 15 years ago and flying in, you mostly just saw Phoenix and a little bit of Tempe and that. And now everything else is just blown up around it. It's wild.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what we have an advantage compared to a lot of the other metropolitan areas are that we have the space. We have the space to be a sprawling area. And then the other things that a lot of the other states don't have is at any given time, you can have four seasons in Arizona. I, mean, I remember, I think it was the first April we were we lived here. We had been to the Grand Canyon and in the morning we woke up and it was like, i think right around freezing there was snow on the ground we got in the car we drove through a snowstorm going into flagstaff we went to sedona which was a beau like a beautiful spring day and in the end at three o'clock in the afternoon i jumped in my pool and it was 80 degrees <laughs>
0: yeah it is pretty wild like you can get you can definitely get all four seasons yeah if you drive a little bit it might not be like south carolina or somewhere where you get you know four seasons in one day in the same place but it is nice to have those alternatives you know, it's nice to have Flagstaff just a couple hours away to just really beat the heat And i think i've never been anywhere i don't think where this is i moved here about a year ago and february and this is my first february and march here and I don't think I've ever experienced a better February and March anywhere. And I, I grew up in New Hampshire. I, I love getting 10 feet of snow. Like I love, I love the snow. I love winter skiing, snowboarding, all that kind of stuff. But I've never seen anywhere where it's as gorgeous during February and March. Just like absolutely perfect weather relentlessly for a good 60 days straight. It's pretty wild.
1: Absolutely. I used, to, when I lived in Chicago, you never knew what to expect in, in February. Um, the only oh, thing yeah. I was sure was there was cold.
0: Oh, yeah, I went to school in northern Indiana. And it was just like, you'd constantly just have this like swirling lake effect where you'd get one weather pattern, and it would just go in a spiral and just come right back at you. And it's just Oh my god, this is just and it's so gray. This is basically the sunniest place in the country. And it just I feel like it makes such a difference having 85% of your days or more like total sunshine and the sun's so strong it basically like melts evaporates the clouds essentially it's gorgeous so much of the time although now we're getting more into the abusive relationship period <laughs> but
1: yeah but i know a lot of people say that too but i don't know when i lived in chicago and it it was like 10 below with a wind chill factor you okay. don't go anywhere here when it's 115 degrees you still get out and put the ac on and go shopping and go out for dinner it's not it doesn't feel as oppressive but nothing against chicago i love chicago so <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but i do think going back to what we talked about, the friendly atmosphere here in in the Valley too, being in an area where you are surrounded with so much sunshine and so much predictability in the weather, it, it I think it does something to your human psyche. Too. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I find it fascinating because people are just like so giving of their time and their knowledge. And I think it is a place versus some of the major cities like New York, Boston, Chicago that are much, much older. And there's maybe a few families that just, run the entire city behind the scenes. Whereas this is a place where anyone can, I don't know, somewhat analogous to like Hollywood or something where it's obviously a bunch of people run stuff there. But there's also this just like, hey, anyone can make it here. Anyone can come here and establish themselves and be themselves and they'll find find their place. And it's a large enough metropolis that there's millions of people and tons of different niches and uh, markets to find and just groups to get involved with.
1: Yeah, it still has a little bit of the Wild West without the <laughs> without the bad effects. It's like you said, people still feel very positive about the opportunities and, and the ability to work hard and create the success that you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's go back through your career a bit. Talk to me about some of your favorite projects and companies to work with. As far as
1: my coaching has been, it's, I love working with people who want to put different things out into the, to the world, want to create an impact either coming from the perspective of, I've been there, done that. Now it's time for me to really lean into something amazing new, something that I can better the world or something that I can better business or I can better whatever it is to help them really figure out what does that better look like? What does that more look like? What does that different look like? Really help them dig into those ideas and and try to help them sort through all the, the possibilities and figure out which one is really the most viable from not only from my own talents, but the talents that I can lean into and also for the outcome that would have the best possible outcome. Those are some of the clients that I really love working with that that you know what they're just so exuding of ideas and desire to put good into the world my other clients are the ones that like you were talking about just creating a a place for themselves uh, create a future for their families create a future for their employees create a future for that 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 is is not the cutthroat future but where you understand that you just have so much power within yourself to really charge your own w- way. Because I think a lot of times for entrepreneurial uh, people, they come into it and they, they forget that it's really their business and they have the ability to decide the direction or the way that they, they want to do it. They very quickly get so set in the ways of maybe this is how you do business where I really love when somebody says, oh, maybe it could work this way and help them really see, look through all the possibilities. And that's why when you're doing my intro, I am, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that really helps you navigate all that, figuring out exactly what are all those possibilities and then decide on those possibilities.
0: Oh, I love that. So what industries or technologies are you most excited about in the decade? One
1: of the... I personally am very much for the environment. I I love what the environment, I love being, and that's one of the reasons why I love living in Arizona, right? We have the opportunity to be outdoors so much. And I also look towards my children and my coming grandchildren and saying, I want them like myself growing up and being able to run out and find frogs in the creek or just explore in the mud and, and have them feel free to do that. So... I think there is a lot of ways that industry and nature can work together rather than against each other. So that's one industry that I am very excited about, that there is just a multitude of opportunities out there on how to make that work. The other thing is education, technology. We have so much technology, and I really think that when you have the ability to have access to the technology, and learn through the technology, you can reach people on such a bit, much bigger scale and help them create their own opportunities with that education.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I'm really fascinated to see, we're already seeing the death of credentialism uh, quite a bit with many large corporations saying, okay, you don't need a bachelor's degree anymore. Like we we just care about the skill set. And so what is the downstream effects of that gonna be on higher education, especially as you know, student loans have just gotten blown out of proportion. And really kids are no longer getting their ROI on that, especially not anytime soon like their parents might have. And so to see what college wound we'll up looking, say 10 years from now. Or what an expectation of education will be then and how many people maybe turn away from college and find other ways of doing things. And then to see that then trickle down even into high school and what will high school look like uh, 10 years from now, especially with all the technological advancements we're going to have, whether it's something like augmented reality or other ways of interacting in a classroom or even outside of the classroom.
1: Oh, Absolutely, and I, I look at it growing up in Denmark, and they still use very much the apprenticeship program there. When I started out in my career in finance, it was done through apprenticeships. I literally signed up for my college degree through the bank that I started off with. So I started up with a very small salary, but the bank sent me through all the schooling that I needed, all the accounting, all the finance, all the bank law, all the things, the marketing, everything that I needed in order to accomplish my degree But when I was done, I had the working experience plus a diploma that says I have an advanced banking degree, which covered those areas. And if I look at somebody like my son, who started off in college, but it was just for him, it was way too boring The classrooms. It didn't fit his personality. I still till this day believe had he had a similar opportunity, that would have worked for him. He chose the military after a little bit in in college. And so he was in the Marine Corps and is now in cybersecurity, which I'm grateful and proud for him to have done his service. But I think a lot of other children and a lot of other young, people, they feel like that's their only option. Whereas if we had something similar to what I grew up with, they might have had a bigger um, opportunity to go in and get working experience together with the academic. And then that might have been a little bit more of a progressive way for them to acquire their skills.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I see it definitely like on I graduated from law school last year. And it's just really what do they do? They they churn you out and then they send you to take a bar exam, which basically has no relevance to practice in virtually any area of law, especially the like corporate and transactional side of things. But to me, it's Hey, this is it's just law school is just trade school. So like, why don't we just have an apprenticeship? Right afterwards. And the same is true for any real professional services. We do it in medicine, like you have a residency, which is essentially like a really highfalutin apprenticeship almost. Uh, you maybe put through the ringer a little more, but there's obviously like a lot more at stake. But I think thinking back to undergrad is you most undergrad programs you go all the way through in the US and yeah maybe you're lucky enough to get like a some sort of unpaid internship during the summer or something like that or maybe you just have to work a summer job just to try and make ends meet but there's nothing during the year, by and large, that connects you to the local community and puts you, you know, in in a workplace that's, oh, okay, you can actually like deliver something to them, some type of value. And I think if that were just like the default, especially at least in like public institutions where you could more incentivize or enforce it a little bit, that then you'd be able to put people in situations where they're getting that real world experience. Because I know plenty of people who graduated college and they still had never had a job, and then. A lot of them say go to law school and they graduate law school and they've still never had a job so then that first job say at a large law firm is like basically traumatic right because they've never even had to do anything for anyone and now they're being asked to work 2000 plus billable hours a year and just kill themselves for the firm and i think just as a society we'd get a lot more out of things if we went to more apprenticeship models for most
1: you're just preaching to the choir <laughs> and from my interior design uh, business days is when you look at all the trades, right? Electricians, plumbers, carpenters, uh, bricklayers, all the people in the trade, I I feel that if you had more of that model in that, you would also create more respect for that profession. I don't know how many people that are telling me, oh, do you know a reasonable plumber? Do you know this or that? And, and then he comes out and say, oh, it, it'll cost me $75 to do a service call. And people are like, oh, can't you do it cheaper? And then they turn around complain they can never get good people to come and do reasonable work. And I think it it has to be a mental shift for people to say, if you want quality work, they need, they put in the hours to, to learn it as a skill, not as some default, because college is not for them. They're, they're, they're proud trades people. And it's, there's so many professions that I don't think necessarily needs a college degree, but it needs more of a skills degree.
0: Oh, definitely. And that was the thing. Most generations forever hadn't gone to college. And then you had a generation like on mass that started to like in larger numbers. And then it just kind of became, oh, this is the expectation. Whereas K through 12 used to be the expectation. Now it's K through 16. And then it's what are we actually doing with those four years? And are we really getting an ROI? Because it might be that there's better things to do, but we've just attached different status to it and different things that kind of end up hurting everyone like all around in the end.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I I agree with you. And I do see changes, though. I do see people who, if nothing else, part of COVID has opened up for people to see, well, there are other alternatives to learning. Like I was just reading in the Sunday paper about Google having their certificate programs on UX and a lot of different other areas where it's now is much more certificate based, especially in the digital world. And I'm really excited to see how that can translate into other professions.
0: Oh, absolutely. So how has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure?
1: Oh, I have a lot of them to rely on. I think the first time I, the first failure I ever is like really seemed like a huge failure for me was I failed a class in finance and I, I was so devastated because it's, I was the good student and I couldn't accept the fact that some classes, they say 50% of the people had to fail. But for me, it was like, how could I even do that? And then I talked to my professor and he says, have you gained the learn and understanding of, of the material? Then you have not failed. He said, go in with that for your retake and see, just read it through from the perspective of what is really being said to you here. And I took that away from him going forward to, to say, Sometimes we're so focused on one outcome, but it's not really the point of the exercise. It, it, it If you just allow yourself, basically going back to what I'm teaching people now, to take a breath and saying, oh, what am I really facing rather than letting my nerves and everything take over in that moment when I feel like, oh, this is something that's totally impossible for me. So that failure for sure is something that I lean back on and, and when I really feel like I can't do this is just too much. I, I allow myself to step back and say with a little bit more clear mind to to look at it. The other thing that I've said is when I first started out my business many years ago interior design, there were so many times where I had to redo work and redo work because I didn't take the time to to actually completely understand all the steps in the process, all the steps it took to complete, uh, like a complicated window treatment. And I, have many times I felt like a failure where I realized that was also just part of the process that there's always a level to it. Allow yourself to learn from and say, how can I do it easier next time?
0: Wow. Those definitely some great lessons there.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs)
0: So what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life?
1: One is very simple. It's actually a Dr. Seuss book. I know there's a little bit of controversy around him right now, but it's the book, All the Places You'll Go. And one of the reasons for that is in the book, he has said, when you get to the worst place of all, the waiting place, and especially after I started doing what I'm doing now, that's what I see a lot of people are stuck in the waiting place of all the things you're waiting for. You wait for your clients to call, you wait for this to happen or that to happen instead of saying, what can I do right now? So that's a huge one for me. The other one is the book called The Subtle Act of Not Giving a F what? (laughs) (laughs) And it's not about not giving about anything. It's about giving an F about the things that really matter to you. And to me, that was just a, a huge the the thought of saying that is really it. I can't be involved of any everything. So let me make sure that what I'm really involved is something that I truly care about. And I think the last one is Pablo's the alchemist. Uh, I, I love that mm. one too. It's just you can go seeking the world for something that's right there in your backyard. You just have to open your eyes and be present.
0: So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why?
1: Good question. Good question. Uh, I I could go on and on on that billboard is, but basically it's Henry Ford's quote. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right either way
0: oh yeah i use that i use that a lot especially with my children just okay (laughs) it's like you can craft your reality i think it's a a great one
1: like this morning i was writing something i said it takes the equal amount of mind power to think you can succeed as you can fail so why not choose that you're going to succeed life will be a bigger adventure that way
0: oh absolutely yeah i was just talking with someone they were talking about it takes about as much effort to run a really small business or a really small project as it does a large one, but the larger ones have more of a payoff. And why not focus on the larger stuff that you can actually get the return on for all of your effort?
1: Yeah, that that is true. What I do say to my clients, though, with that one is if you succeed in a small business, you can succeed in a big business. The Mm. the profit is in your process. (laughs)
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, If you just scale to scale, there has to be some plan behind it.
0: Absolutely. So what has been one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And feel free to interpret the word investments as broadly as you like.
1: Relationships across the board that old adage uh, don't judge a book by its cover is so resonating with me because you meet people along the way and you just never know what doors they're going to open for you the most unassuming person can make the huge the, the most important impact in your life so for me that is what it is about it's creating those relationships so never discount anybody
0: Oh, Totally. What advice would you give to a smart driven high school or college graduate about to enter the real world? And is there any advice you think they should ignore?
1: Be curious. You know, and never take things for the face value. It goes back to that. Don't judge a book by its cover. Be very curious. Ask questions. Don't assume that everybody else has the answer for you.
0: Mm. Absolutely. So how have you found mentors and advisors throughout your career?
1: First of all, just observe people, see what they are doing that you're not doing. So I've sort of three categories of observers, the people that I don't like at all, what they're doing. And I try to make sure that I don't replicate what they are doing. The people that I do really like what I'm doing and then people that I meet along the way that either personal or, or from a, that's really what has been mine seeing just figure out what it is that i really want and start looking for people that can guide me along the way and anybody specific is really difficult to give you but there's been so many mm-hmm.
0: no that's great so in the last five years what have you become better at saying no to
1: I've been become much better at saying no to people who want things from me that I'm not willing to give, such as time or or even sometimes advice that I'm not really the right one to give advice on. I've be, become much better at telling no, I'm not the right person for you rather than trying to help them out. <laughs>
0: Oh, definitely. So who've been some of your heroes throughout your life? And how did they help or inspire you?
1: My first really known hero was my grandmother. She lived to be 100. And in my young, yes. And when she was 95, I asked her, I said, so, you know, granny, why, why are you getting so old? And, And she was still very vibrant at the time. And she was saying, I'm just too curious to die. And as I become older, there, there are people that I look to as heroes, and they may not be named to other people, but it's people who truly just give of their soul without expecting anything in return. And I, John Lewis, I really like his quote, let's get in good trouble. I, I think he he was somebody who stood up for something without. Wanting anything in return, if anybody, to put a name on somebody recently, that's definitely somebody that I admire for his Mm -hmm. character.
0: Oh, absolutely. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
1: My biggest habit that has improved my life is trusting myself, that I have the innate understanding of what I really need in order to move forward.
0: Mm, very powerful.
1: It's definitely made a difference in my life.
0: What are your go to self care strategies, tactics, and techniques?
1: Breathe. That's the first <laughs> and important one. Just if you feel like that total stressed out, just take a breath, take a deep breath. And then know that first of all, it's whether you're a religious or a non-religious person is that today's trouble, tomorrow's trouble will be there no matter what. So it just focuses on what really is in the current moment. You, you can't do anything about tomorrow's trouble today in most. So just focus on what is your ability to do today. And then the other big one is truly in saying that Nobody else has the responsibility for your happiness, your sadness, your joy. You decide what you can do for yourself. So make decisions.
0: Absolutely. So this has been been such a fascinating and enlightening conversation. And that brings me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you?
1: The kindest thing anyone has ever done for me. Oh boy. I'm trying to think which one was the most. I I think it's one of my girlfriends, the first time I came to stay at her house, she made such an effort out of making her home welcoming to me and she put flowers by my bed uh, in a little vase and a a bottle of water so I would feel very comfortable and and she knew I was in transition at the time where my life was really in turmoil and I came there and it was just so inviting and it was such a simple yet very touching gesture of her part.
0: How touching. So kind. Yes. Thank you so much again for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you.
1: Oh, my pleasure too. It's been fun. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. Today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Visit ProsperitasAgency.com today to learn more. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the L-U-E podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. If you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness.